Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Tuesday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show again this afternoon. Lots of guests, chat, music and more besides over the next couple of hours. And we have our final January story too. We're going to make the decision overnight and make that call tomorrow to somebody who's going to win a thousand euro for coming on here and telling me about the hairy moment this January. But first up today... I think I can say he's a good friend of ours on Late Lunch because we've talked to him on a number of occasions and we've followed his story. Yes, he's the man who lost 10 stone and he's back with us today on Late Lunch for an update. Martin O'Halloran, good to talk to you again. Jerry, how are you? How's things? I'm really good. Great to have you with us on the show today. But I'm going to reverse that to you because you had a wee stint in uh, the Drogheda Hospital recently. How are you? Yeah, I'm grand now, but look, it was a little bit of a shock to me at the time. As a, you know, I was never in hospital before as as a, an adult, certainly not overnight or anything like that. So, look, at, looking back on it, I probably wasn't feeling great over the Christmas. But look, you think everyone has a cold and a bit of a flu, so you you have to say, "Ah, sure, there's nothing wrong with me. I'll just keep going." And you know, I had a couple of uh, lightnesses in the head and dizzinesses and all that. But the type of all came to a head a, a fortnight ago. Um, you know, I type of had a pain in my chest all day. And, uh, you know, I've had that pain in my chest before, so I type of uh, ignored it. But I just woke up in the middle of the night and the pain was unbelievable. So I said I'd get up, have a cup of water, maybe go to the toilet, do some of those particular things, and, you know, I'd be fine. But it didn't happen. So after 45 minutes, I said, God, I better do something here. So I rang the emergency services. They came for me and uh, they brought me, they, they worked on me on, uh, you know, out, out on the streets. Uh, the lads were very nice, very good. And then they brought me over to um, to the Lourdes Hospital in Drogheda. And, uh, you know, I was there for a week. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, a shock and a bit of a scare. You know? well, well, to think that it was your first time in hospital ain't bad, Martin, reaching this stage of your life, I have to say. But the thing is, the reason I wanted to talk to you about that and not dwell on it was, when you were in there, I know you were on a trolley for a few days before you got fixed up and got a bed, etc. You say this was an eye-opener to look at what goes on in the emergency department. 
Well, well, it's actually incredible. You know, you read all these stories, you see the stories in the media, you know, and the press and all those particular things. But when you're actually there, it's very, very different. And, you know, uh, when they're in the uh, uh, emergency ward, it was on the trolley uh, for two days. And, you know, people coming and going. And I think Monday and Tuesdays are, are, are very busy uh, for some reason in, um, in, in, in the hospital. And, you know, the nurses, you know, they're just they're so busy. You know, they're, they're, they're so busy uh, working and people coming and going and everybody's needs, you know, and, you know, they might have difficult uh, patients or patients with particular needs and all of that. And then, you know, and they deal with that. And then suddenly they come down to you and then it's all smiles again and, you know, uh, working on your needs. And, you know, it really was incredible. I have to say, uh, I did not realize nurses actually work so hard. And, you know, I was very grateful uh, for both that, for learning that and to appreciate that. And, you know, when you're not well yourself, there's nothing better than somebody coming in asking you, do you need anything? Or, you know, even t- small little things that I need a toothbrush or did that. Because when you arrive in off an ambulance, you're having a bag packed. You know, I yes. often see the Americans where they, they, they have their bag packed all year round. I think maybe there's a lesson for, <laughs> to learn to have a small little bag uh, packed all year round, you know, because when you arrive in an ambulance, you know, and you're in the same clothes the following day, you know, without a shower and that. And it, is, can, it can be difficult, you know. Yeah. So, but they were particularly good, Jerry. I have to say that. And great credit to them, you know. It's lovely to hear that praise because we often hear the negative stories when it comes to health. But to hear somebody who's practically experienced the wonderful care you've got is really heartening. And that's what happens in 99.9999% of uh, people's cases. But uh, you have great admiration for them. I know with what they put up and how they deal with you. Anyway, you got out and and you're back in the land of the living, and you feel you feel you're making progress now, do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and like um, they told me that I had uh, some sort of uh, a virus. Um, I obviously don't know a whole lot about viruses or or anything like that, but they they told me I had some sort of a virus that was affecting my chest area uh, and 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 that particular area and around my stomach. You know, so um, I was on penicillin for the week. But look, there's an awful lot worse than me, you mm. know. And uh, I I got out then after seven days. And, you know, you don't be feeling well for a while. But it's amazing the message of support I also got, particularly from uh, my colleagues in the GEA and and things like that and, and other places. People are very kind, you know. And when you witness it firsthand, you appreciate your, your friends, you appreciate the texts, you appreciate people saying to you, you know, uh, you, you know, will, will, will I drop you in anything? One particular, uh, you know, bloke was in visiting uh, his father and then, you, you know, heard that I was in there and rang me up. He said, I'm bringing you up a cup of coffee. Like, they're, they're very simple things. But believe me, when, when you have time and you're sitting in a bed, you really can appreciate that, you know. So, yes. you know, and I definitely appreciate it. Well, you, know? you see, Martin, I think of it saying my late father used to be known for, they used to say about my late father, he was well as well known as a begging ass. And you are uh, <laughs> in the GA yeah. family and beyond, I have to say. And I ain't surprised you get all those support and messages and well-deserved. Look at, your story is a remarkable one because you've shed over 10 stone uh, and the journey started about four years ago and on it goes and you'll be back on it again now when you get back on your feet going in the spring of the year you gave up the drink two years ago and, and, and you say that y- y- you don't miss it but you miss the crack is it in in, in the pubs uh, 
Ah, look at your, you know, who would miss the crack? You know, uh, post-match analysis, pre-match analysis, <laughs> all experts on the games, you know, uh, including myself. But you would miss that. But look, for me, I just haven't felt that it came to time where I was at in my life that, you know, I, I needed to change an awful lot of things. You know, um, I'm not in any way anti-drink or anti-anybody enjoying themselves. But that was a decision that I had to actually make for myself. And let's be fair about it, Jerry. I didn't actually leave any drink behind me. Yeah. So when I was at it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you put that so well, so succinctly, I have to say, Martin. But look at, yeah. do you go in? Would you go in and have a mineral or an alcohol free, or do you just well, avoid pubs? Look at, no, I don't avoid pubs. I don't be in it too too often. But uh, pubs nowadays are, are are different. It's not always uh, about about the drink. Uh, now you know uh, a lot of the lads there who had been going walking with you know uh, you know Shane and Kieran and those Jim Mullery and, and lads like that who I go walking with and you know we we go for meals yeah you know so yes. pubs uh, have food in them now and and things like that and go for a coffee and God I think I'd be in every coffee uh, house in Navan uh, <laughs> one time or another you know so. But no, I do go. I, I do go, but not too often, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you would miss the crack, uh, particularly of a Saturday night and, and and a Sunday night. But look at you know when you wake up with a clear head in the Monday morning, you're you're thankful that the decision was made. And I, look, and I only made that decision for myself. Nobody told me I had to stop it or anything like that. Mm. I I just decided, you know, uh, that's what I wanted to do, you know. And 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 it's, I think it has worked out for me, you know. Martin, there's an awful lot to be said with that clear head and everything the next morning. There's no doubt about it. We often say ourselves, why do we put ourselves through it? Hey, here's something I didn't know about you. Uh, And I want to tell the listeners today, you're a massive supporter of West Bromwich Albion. How did that come about? Yeah, again, you know, I I, I wouldn't say I'm the most fortunate individual. (laughs) (laughs) uh, West Brom and Albion, it it goes back to the 70s. I'm very proud to say that I'm a West Brom fan. Uh, I I think it came about... Um, you know, uh, sometime in the late 70s when I got up uh, to, uh, I know my father would be listening, but when they were in bed, I actually got up to watch uh, Match of the Day. <laughs> and the very first team that I seen on Match of the Day was West Bromwich Albion. And when you're a seven or eight or nine year old, you know, uh, the whole world, to be able to say the word West Bromwich Albion was great for me. And then they had, you know, they had these, <clears throat> you know, yellow, uh, striped tops and you know <clears throat> blue and white tops that they they have now and you know very famous players at the time Cyril Regis and Laurie Cunningham and Brenda Batson and all those particular people and you know I just stuck with it um, we've had a few good days uh, we've had more bad days um, we don't be winning titles like uh, like all the others they're playing the championship now and they're mid they're mid table and but it's still great excitement. Uh, you know, to know that that's you follow. It's a bit like um, I was born in Rapaline. That's the hurling club I follow. I would never change. No matter where I live, it'll always be Rapaline hurling club. You know, it'll always be me, GEA. That, that's who I am. And I suppose I, I had to look at 
I, I that's the that's the team I I, I seen mm. first, and that's my team forever. You know, oh, that's so, a lovely like West story. Brom, you know, yeah, lovely story. But it's not draw the United, <laughs> Jerry. With you're, <laughs> I know well, you're a patron of both. I, I am, I am, and you know you're right. What what you're born with and close to you means most to you because that's where where you're from and where you hail from and what you love most. And I do follow Arsenal, of course, from a distance, yeah. uh, and I, I enjoy going over from time to time. But you know, you mentioned the three degrees there uh, that played for West Brom, uh, uh, Jeff asked is the man that sticks in my mind and Johnny Giles Paddy Mulligan and co were there weren't they at West Brom yeah, they, yeah. they were all there Jeff yeah. Asta scored a winning goal in the 1968 Cup Final 1-0 over at Everton but he was he's a bit of an icon because the main gates and the entrance to the Hawthorns uh, Jeff Astle, uh, is is on the gates but uh, for me it's certainly the three degrees it's certainly Cyril Regis um, and it does kind of bring a little cheer because Mead Hurlers were playing over there last year uh, in uh, London uh, in the Christie Ring competition and a good friend of mine you, you know uh, the sports editor the Mead Chronicle uh, Fergal Lynch supports yes. Leighton Orient All right. right? <laughs> and we just we, the match was on the Sunday so he said on the Saturday let's go over and uh, well, while we're over there um, Leighton Orient were playing a big game that would have got them promoted right Yes. so I didn't know a whole lot about Leighton Orient Fergal had arranged the tickets um, and the whole lot. And it was a lovely ground, 9,000. But on the way into it, they had a, a big statue of uh, Larry Cunningham. I didn't realise that's where he actually came from. Yes. You know? So yes. um, before he, he, he joined West Brom. And it brought a tear to me eye because it brings back the thing, you know. So suddenly there was my youth, the West Brom Medjalbian connection and Larry Cunningham, all at late Norian's ground. You know, so... Oh, look at You know, so all these things... But, Look, they make us who we are, you know, like yes. you and the draw of the United yeah. and Arsenal. They're, they're part of our personality, yes. you know. That's so true, Martin. There you are. We have Fergal Lynch associated with Leighton Orient today. That's another one to follow up on for me. <laughs> and I just, I just see, I'll tell you, you're in the mix for the playoffs, West Brom, in the championship this year, sitting fifth at the minute. So it's looking good, you know. We certainly are, and we won't mention the cup game against Wolverhampton Wanderers last Sunday morning. But, oh, uh, yeah, you God. know. Look, we move on. But look, at the GA takes over now this time of the year. And, you yeah. know, uh, as you know, our footballers are started, our hurlers are are uh, um, playing Kildare in, in Park Tolton on on, uh, on Sunday. And, you know, that, it's all part of that. It'll be non-stop. Our footballers are in Armagh on, uh, on, on Saturday evening, yes. 6 o'clock. So there's so much happening. There's so, you know, and it's so exciting. And it's just great to be part of all... All of that, you know, uh, you know, and then you won't feel the club championships all starting out. So the year goes by very, very quickly. And, you know, and all of those things, they're all very, very good for my particular mental health. And it gives me strength where I'm not just sitting around my apartment. I'm actually out there going to games and walking to games. You know, I don't, I used to get lifts to all those, uh, you know, to up and down to part top. I don't do that now. I walk around the long way and try and get the steps up and, and all of that. But so games are very, very good for your health, very good for your mental health in particular, Jerry. It is. And it's you know? great to be looking forward to it all. And I, I do want to mention the Mead ladies that some terrific win, the footballers against uh, Dublin the weekend. I want to ask you this. St. Feckins, County Louth are playing in Mead this year. What, what, what do you make of that? I think it's fantastic, to be honest with you. I, I want to give uh, St. Feckins uh, try to uh, promote Hurland. They're a very, very progressive club and, you know, promoting Hurland in County Loud. And that's very difficult for them. They, have, they deserve great credit for that. 
you know, there's only, uh, I think it's three senior clubs. Now, I just want to stress that they'll only be playing in the cup and the league competitions in me. They'll be still be playing yes. in the loud championship uh, proper themselves. But look, at, uh, they contacted us and, uh, you know, we obviously we had to make a decision. Uh, the management of custody me had to make a decision as to whether they would facilitate. This, this is not unique. Uh, teams in Kildare playing the Kilkenny uh, yes. uh, leagues as, as in Carlow and similar all around the country. So we were delighted uh, to be able to facilitate them um, in things. And, you know, they have to make all the running here. Um, they have to come to me to play their play all their games, so all their games are away from home. So look, at, uh, it's a credit to them that they're trying to develop the club in that particular way. You know, it's not easy to uh, promote hurling um, in the North Leinster area. You know, but uh, they're they're doing their best, and you know, I don't mean GA. We're just facilitating that, and we wish them every well uh, in in the coming year. But uh, they know well uh, none of our uh, clubs. We'll be trying to win uh, every competition, as Kildare <laughs> yes. proved earlier in the year. Last year, they want to For win sure. everything, so they won't be. There won't. There'll be no easy ride. No, absolutely, absolutely. You know? Listen, I'm going to say goodbye to you. Now. Before I do, uh, the messages are flowing in for you. They love you on late lunch today. Great stuff, Martin. You're a fantastic representative for me, GAA Health and Wellbeing. That comes in from your good friend Kieran Flynn today. Uh, another one there from a listener. Good friend of mine. That, yeah. that man is absolutely brilliant, Jerry. He's wonderful to listen to. So knowledge and they go on and on Martin good health to you thank you for joining me today always lovely to talk to you thanks a million great stuff Jerry thanks very much take thank care bye bye Martin O'Halloran January 1,000 euro tomorrow to somebody who's told us their January moment story on late lunch. And this afternoon, joining me on the line to tell me hers is Geraldine Melia. Afternoon, Geraldine. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? Thanks I'm for bringing me back. Good, there. not at all. You're very <laughs> welcome to the show. Anyway, when are you talking about? Take us back, begin the story. Oh, when was this? This is 43 years ago, 1981. Right. What and happened? They- well, it's just, it started on, on a Tuesday. I had a pain in my eye, which was, I wouldn't even take a tablet for, you know, it was just mm. a normal little pain. And uh, it went on Wednesday, I had double vision on my right eye. And Thursday then, I was sort of feeling sickish and I had this double vision. So my husband took me down to the doctor and he said I had, thought I had Bell's palsy. Mm. Do you know what that is? Yes, and your face is a bit contorted. It's a paralysis yes, of the face. In the face. Yeah. Yes, yes. So... That was fine. He gave me a scepter and an antibiotic or something. And I was taking that on Friday. When I took it Friday, I felt sick all day Friday. And I was in, the, in we were in a flat in Dublin. And our oldest girl, she had only been, she was two on the 5th of April. This was the 10th of April then. Mm. So she was five days, two and five days old. And uh, she, I was in the flat alone with her. My husband was working. And I just felt so sick all day. And that the flat was like a, bedroom and a kitchen come sitting room and the shower and the toilet was outside in the hall. Yes. So I sort of felt sick and I thought I'm not going to make it out to the hall. And I got to the sink and it was just water 
came up. But I felt, you know that Monty Python, the way it used to start and the head would flip open? Yes. That's what I thought. I thought my head flipped open. My God. And I turned around to go back to bed. But obviously I collapsed then because when I woke, my leg, one was crossed against the other. Um, now they asked me in the hospital how long I was out, but I, mean, I wasn't going to say, uh, well, it's this time now I'll pass out. The only thing I can think of was I put Bosco on for my for the little one at half five. Yeah. And so it was about maybe five, ten minutes after that. And when I woke up, the Angelus bell was ringing. So 20 minutes, I would say, I was out. But what woke me up was there was the fridge. My There was no door on the icebox. And the little one was always pooching in the fridge. And I was forever giving out to her. And she thought, I'll have the other one lying on the floor now and have a look in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> and I could feel this breeze yes. on my face, this cold breeze coming from the icebox. And I came to a bit then, but I couldn't move. I'd had a stroke, you see, so I was paralysed. What age were you? the neck down. I was 20. Oh, my word. Um, that was the April. I would have been 21 in the June. And there's you and, and the little child in the flat. What happens? Myself and little one. Well... I heard my sister lived down in Tal at the time and she, for some reason, called out to me that day. I was, we were in the ground floor flat, but there was a basement flat and there was two, you know, flats above that again. And uh, she was call- Then I could hear someone calling my name and it was her calling my name, but I couldn't get up off the floor. Mm. I couldn't move. She was at the door. So my ar- I was lying on the floor in the kitchen. Yeah. She was at the door. Uh, she was at the window outside. Right. And she kept calling me and calling me and calling me. And maybe Rosalind went to the window or something. I don't know. Because she knew I was in there. So she she got in. One of the girls upstairs let her in. And she got into the, the hall. And my my arms came back. And I got myself up sitting. And I'd got up on a chair beside. And there was a counter went round to the to the flat door and I was able to pull myself around to that I got to the door and I put my hand to open the latch and with that the door came in and it was my sister just grabbed me yeah. I collapsed and I was taken off then to uh, she called an ambulance to uh, the Richmond was on call mm-hmm. I was lucky the Richmond was on call and I was taken in there and I can remember the ambulance had no no the little one used to say knee no knee no and my, mine only had knee 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 <laughs> I was stuck. <laughs> and then they were keeping me awake. I just I just wanted to sleep, just let me sleep. But they kept the ambulance man kept tipping me face and asking my name and all sorts of stuff. They had to keep me awake. So when I got in there then I saw the doctor and they did tests and they said they said I had migraine. Hmm. It was a bad migraine. So they kept me in. That was on a Friday night. And then I got the headache about ten o'clock that night. Oh my god, I never had anything like it. And uh, to give me tablets was only Panadol to give me. But like about 10 minutes after that, I was back again. I was looking for more. They couldn't give me any more for another two hours. And I was like crying in pain with this headache. And it wasn't until 4 o'clock in the morning because I kept looking for the tablets. Another doctor came in and she had a lumbar puncture and the blood came and they knew it was a brain hemorrhage. So I was operated on then on the, the 15th of April on the Wednesday. And the doctor told my husband that if my sister hadn't come out or I hadn't been woken up at six o'clock, when he came in from work at eight, I would have been dead. Gone. And the little child there with you in the... She woke me up. And she would have been there on her own in the dark. It was eight, but it would have been dark. I, just, mm. I was thinking about her, like, you know, mm. me lying there and she she in the dark herself. But my, thank oh God she was, we were all got. Thanks. So I was only 12, 12 days in hospital. I was opened up. I had 19 stitches. 
I was like, I just, I have a massive scar on my head, but you can't see that now. Yeah, by God, but, uh, li- the thing is, you live to tell the tale, which is the main thing. Yeah, but that was, um, I was telling the girl this morning, uh, that was the 10th of April, 81. Yeah. And the 10th of April, 82, was Holy Saturday night, and I was, we were having our baby son christened. So, oh, it's good. The only thing is, I put on a lot of weight after it, but... Look, the doctor said to me, you're alive. <laughs> yeah, you're alive is the main thing. So you had a boy then subsequently. I had a boy a year after, and then two more after that. Then, well, there you go. And uh, uh, Not a bother on you. You were a busy a woman. You were a busy woman. The brain hemorrhage didn't hold you well, back. for about six months, uh, six months, I couldn't do anything. Yes. Uh, I was so tired, because when I would get tired, the left side of my body, because the right was the the blood flaps on the, on the right the left side of the body, you see, it affects the right side of the brain. It works the left side of the body. Yeah. So the left side of my body would just sort of collapse nearly. It was just yes. weak. Yes. You think I was drunk if you saw me walking. I would have to go to bed every day at three o'clock for an hour and mm. I was grounded. Now, they wouldn't let me out of, the, out of the hospital unless if I was going back to the flat. It couldn't be on my own. So I went home to my mother and father then. for I was yes. there for about three months, four months, yeah. And and the wee girl, what's her name? Rosalind. Very good. She's not a wee girl now. No, for sure <laughs> not. But Rosalind was the one there with you. God blesses what could have been, what might have been, what was, and yeah, wasn't it fortunate yeah, yeah. that your it sister came it out? out? Yeah, it, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 a a hell of a story and a real hairy moment indeed. Had time gone by, you wouldn't be here to tell the tale today. Those other lovely no, children you see, wouldn't no, have arrived. I wouldn't. Nothing. I wouldn't absolutely yeah. because you know. Mm. The, the operation and everything went so well. I think I think my age that's helped as you well. Were young, yes, at the time, really. If I was young. young. I was mm. older. You see, it wouldn't. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, yeah. it's great to hear you this afternoon, alive and well on Late Lunch oh, yeah. on LMFM Radio, able to tell your story, your January moment. You're in the mix with the deciding tomorrow, the jury are meeting tonight. Thank you for joining me, Geraldine Melia. Thank you very much. Thank Take you. Care Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 My God, that's a story and a half, isn't it? What might have been, it just shows you. Fate at times just is for you or again you, isn't it? It's one of those things. Anyway, I think that's rest the case now for January. The jury will uh, convene this evening and we'll have a decision tomorrow. Don't miss that. A thousand euro to give away to one of our hairy moment storytellers on late lunch on Wednesday afternoon. Now, let me remind you, Drogheda District Chamber are holding a coffee and chat event in the permanent TSB branch in Scotch Hall Shopping Centre, Drogheda, tomorrow. It's at eight o'clock in the morning where local business owners and managers are invited to chat with each other and the chamber team over a light breakfast. For more information, if you want to book your place there, contact Brenda at drahadachamber.ie or check out drahadachamber.ie. That's 8am in the morning. They're fantastic events. People love them that go to them and uh, you'll get a lot back from them, I promise you. Don't know whether uh, you might have been watching TV last night. (laughs) I was watching, I don't know how I happened across. It's just by accident. I didn't mean to. I think it was on BBC Four, it was. And it's going back to 2017. It was the Big Yin's 75th birthday. Yes, Billy Connolly celebrated 75 years on the planet. He's over 80 now. Uh, Lovely TV documentary where three wonderful artists, Jack Vetriano, Rachel McLean and John Byrne. John died there in November. What a brilliant artist he was. All Scottish 
did portraits of Billy and then they've, they've gone on display in Glasgow's hometown. They have massive murals of them on buildings around the centre of Glasgow and he was really touched by it and he, he's living with Parkinson of course at the moment and he's struggling a wee bit but it was a wonderful, wonderful documentary. I really enjoyed it and I thought back to the times I saw Billy. I've seen Billy three times live uh, and he is some man. I remember he came to Drada here to the Dome in one of the big festivals but I saw him for the first time in the Gaiety Theatre in Dublin many moons ago. Brought a friend of mine and his wife along with us and I thought John Madden was actually going to die with the laughter that night. He was that funny. Brilliant, brilliant comic our Billy Connolly but if you get a chance to look back at that one The Big Yin at 75 the TV documentary it is fantastic and he was just chuffed at what the people did for him in his hometown Glasgow on his big big birthday anyway on he goes Mr Billy Connolly and on we go on late lunch after the break because we're back with your two on Tuesday it's time for our two on Tuesday two on Tuesday playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one but we were so close I'm supposed to be number one we were so close two on Tuesday two on Tuesday yes our two on Tuesday this Tuesday do you remember them S Club 7, I was just looking them up this morning and I'll tell you, they were some outfit. Between 1999 when they were formed and 2001, barely three years, this crew had five number twos and four number ones in the UK charts. It was phenomenal, really. They had a huge following. Anyway, I picked one of the uh, twos to play it for you today. It was released on the 3rd of June 2000. It stayed at number two for three weeks. It just couldn't make it to top spot. It's a terrific song. Uplifting. Get up off it on your feet there and get dancing. It's reached for the... Tuesday with Reach. Ah, oh, it's a great song, isn't it? It really is a great song. It just gets you up in your feet and gets you going. Brilliant. Yes, that's one of the five number twos they had during its short three-year career in the UK. Had to be a decent one, hadn't it, to keep that one off top spot. And when I tell you, it is a decent one. And it was number one for the three weeks that Reach sat at number two. It just couldn't get by it. Here it is for you, the number one that kept Reach from top spot. It's Sonique. And it feels so good on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. You always make me smile when I'm feeling down. Such a vibe, I just totally gonna find. Sonic. 
feels so good. That's the big number one that prevented our two on Tuesday from S Club 7 Reach making it to number one spot. So what do I think today? I haven't got my sidekick to give me a, a nudge on to see what she thinks today. I have to make the decision myself. I love Reach. I really do from S Club 7, but that's a fantastic song as well. I'll go for Reach today. I think Reach should have reached number one in the charts. It's just so uplifting. That's my opinion anyway, for what it's worth. 086-1800-658 is our WhatsApp or text number. That's 086-1800-658 if you want to get in touch with us on the show by WhatsApp or text. I was, I don't know where I was. I think it was in Tesco a few weeks back anyway. And I was doing me shop on the Saturday morning early when there's no one in the place. Fantastic with me zapper. I'm doing the zapper shopping now. Thanks to Ava, my granddaughter, who showed me how to use the the zapper in Tesco. I don't have to go to a checkout now and load out all the stuff and put it back in. I bag it as I go along and I just beep, beep me stuff and then go and... Oh, it's just great. It's great. Uh, it really is a uh, scan and shop. I really love it, I have to say. Thanks, David, for that. It's just been a revelation. Anyway, I came across something I hadn't seen. Maybe it was just me not looking or looking for it in years. Picnic bars. Well, you know what? I can't get enough of them now. I absolutely love them in the purple wrapper. I hadn't seen them in years. And I, I was checking them out. Do you know that picnic bars were first made in 1950? Yeah, by the McRobertson picnic bar company in Australia. They were bought by Fry UK in the 50s and then Cadbury acquired McRobertson's chocolates in 1967 and it's been under the Cadbury uh, banner ever since. Oh, they're gorgeous. If you haven't tasted them, maybe you remember them from years ago yourself. Oh, Lord Almighty. They're just lovely, the picnic bars. Once you pop, you just can't stop, another crowd say. But it's the same with these cup of tea nice cup of hot tea and a picnic bar ah heaven on earth I have to say love it now I love the catch the red catch bar but I think the picnic has moved to number one spot on my preferred bar after me dinner with a little cup of cha in the evenings late lunch LMFM radio thanks for being with us this Tuesday afternoon after the break we're going to hear from a local foster carer listen to this who's fostered 10 children. And we're going to hear all about fostering as well because, you see, foster parents and carers are needed. Stay with us on Late Lunch. I don't think I could ever overemphasise the importance of foster carers in our communities in Ireland. And we're going to talk about it uh, for the next while on Late Lunch today from a very local perspective because I'm delighted to welcome back uh, to Late Lunch, Orla Crilly. Welcome, Orla. Good to see you again. And joining us also today is social worker with Tusla, Sandra Minnock. Sandra, good to see you. Thanks both for dropping into us on the show today. Great to see you again. Uh, Great to see you you too. Uh, Orla, what a legend you are in your lifetime. <laughs> Remind listeners again how many children you fostered. So to date, 10 and counting. <laughs> the journey's not, I don't think we're even halfway yet. Um, yeah, so 10 to date. I started about 13 years ago. But I suppose maybe um, my family circumstances uh, before that, mum and dad fostered as well for many years. So as I was growing up, there was foster kids coming in and out of the house. And even as a teenager myself, I knew that that is something I would like to do. So I'm a second generation foster parent and I've my, I have a 15 year old uh, birth son and he talks about fostering when he grows up as well. So I think it would be a really amazing thing to someday that I'll be looking at him and his own foster kids as well and be a third generation foster parent, you know. Amazing. The first child you fostered, you mm. know, even though you have that background from your parents and yes. in your family, it's a big thing when you go for the first time, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, any new situation that people go into, they're always going to feel a little bit nervous and stuff like that. But I have to say, through um, Tusla, I was really, really supported in in that journey. And, you know, when you've got good link worker from Tusla in your corner as well, it takes some of the fear out of it. And, you know, it's just an amazing, beautiful journey. And that first, first foster child, excuse me, is still with me today. Really? Yeah, yeah, and she's a rock star. She's amazing. How many years are you fostering? When did so you take her? What year? Uh, but thirteen and a half years. So she was a little baby when she came. And <laughs> I was going to ask you: Is it hard to let go? Well, you haven't let go of her. <laughs> Not her, but <laughs> other kids have come in and and passed through the house. Some, you know, have got to the eighteen, nineteen mark and went and lived just as a very natural kind of thing, where your own kids might be going off to college or moving out and getting their own place. So a lot of it has been just a, a very natural progression to where the kids would any kid would be moving on and just because they're not with me in the house uh, we still have amazing relationships so there's still quite a few kids around town that are on the phone every other day and I'm around and I'm very much part of their lives I know I'm very young looking but I'm kind of like a granny <laughs> to some of the kids <laughs> No you're She not. says jokingly yeah, but, 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 but that is a factor that you know part of this is that uh, you know they come and they go and that's the natural cycle that happens here yeah. you're, you're, it's very unusual to have you know that first child still with you but it says a, a lot about you too yeah. um, for, for people listening there and that's why we're talking about this because more carers are being looked for well, what's the great benefit of being a foster carer it's the most amazing thing you could ever undertake in your life. It will transform you as a person. I mean, people, you know, you want to give something back and help the kids. But, you know, in a way, you're really helping yourself as well. No child has come through my door that I haven't learned a lot about the world because of the way they see it through their eyes and a lot about myself as well as a person. And they've just grown me. And, you know, my birth son, Logan, he would have been an only child if it wasn't for fostering. And now he has amazing close relationships relationships and there are you know siblings to him um, in the house and the people that have moved on as well and he wouldn't have had that without fostering and as he said he says himself at 15 he would like to foster so you know it's a, obviously been an enriching experience for him and not to say that every day is easy in a house yes. you know in a family no day any family no day is easy and you have your ups and downs but when you look back over it you go wow this has been amazing I'm so glad I did this and I would do it all over again had you just one child with your own child at, at, at any one time or did you have more than that? Starting. <laughs> <laughs> Starting, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when she came first, it was just the two of them for what actually quite a short space of time. And then yes. kind of went up to I would have had five foster kids in the house, six kids all together. And I'm also I'm a single parent as well. So, um, yeah, you know, every child comes in with a different story and different things. You might have groups of siblings coming in together, or, yes, okay. you know, di- different so things. Can be more, yeah. You know, there can be a few children involved with the one foster carer at yeah. one at any one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's bring Sandra Mernock into the conversation. Sandra, welcome to the show, social worker with Tusla. I want to ask you this: um, something Orla just uh, uh, said there. You know, it, it's not all. It can't always be uh, smelling of roses and every day being a great day. I yeah. want you to talk to me about you know when there are issues or if there are difficulties to be. Uh, got over yeah and your role there okay so like 
I guess like you might you might assume some of the children coming into air care have had some very difficult difficult experiences yeah. and they've had difficult journeys sometimes up to the point where they, where they come into care and they move into care with foster carers like like Orla. Um, I guess a lot of the healing, a lot of the, the, the journey that they go on is with the foster carer and a lot of the healing comes through them. Um, and our role is to support foster carers like Orla in, in what she does and how how well she's able to be there. We do that through the link work. So all of our foster carers have a link worker assigned to them. Um, and our role is to be there to support and supervise the placement to offer and provide training for the foster carers as as they see they need it or as we see that they need it. Um, and also to Slahaz, you know, we've direct access with many other disciplines that we can link the child in with for services and supports that we feel would benefit them to to help them with whatever difficulties they're experiencing. Mm, so that's an important point. I just wanted to pick up from that when, yeah. when you mentioned it there. We have lots of people listening to us this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, who can be a carer? What are the criteria? So I guess like I even hear Jerry from my own circle, like people say, oh, I, I couldn't do that or they wouldn't pick me or whatever. And I guess the message really that I want to get across today is if it's crossed your mind, if you think that you have capacity, even if it's one weekend a month respite care that you could offer us or something like that, pick up the phone and have that conversation with us. Um, there, I guess our criteria has broadened in in recent years. As Orla's mentioned, she um, she's a single parent. Um, in the past, we would have been probably more closed off to the idea of considering people that work. But now we're very much open to considering it. It's not going to work for every child or every placement, but we'll definitely look at what could work if both parents are working? What could work? It could work that they do respite. It could work that they're there as a support person to, you know, the the foster family where a child has additional needs yes. or something like that. So we're definitely open to, there's no upper age limit. There's We're looking for people from all backgrounds, all ages, all abilities, because most of us have something to give. And, and there's so many people out there that have space in their hearts and space in their homes to do this. And we really would love them to pick up the phone, even if you're sitting listening to this thinking, I don't know if it's the right time or I don't know if if I would fit the criteria. There's no harm in picking up the phone and having that phone call and having that conversation. And, and we'll be there to guide you with what we think might work for you and your family. I take it same sex couples. Uh, oh, are, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. To mention this. Absolutely. Know that, yeah, because because yeah. rightly so. Right. Some people might some people have assumed in the past that it that it didn't meet the criteria. We have some in, in Louth Meath and nationally, we have some amazing mm. same sex couples, which that, that brings so much to the, to the table. Right. And have so much enriched life experiences themselves that bring so much to to our foster children. Um, some questions that I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of people listening today. Uh, expenses, out-of-pocket expenses. What what happens there? So every child in care has um, has a fostering allowance. It was just increased in the budget last year. So yes. each child, um, it's slightly different for children under 12 and slightly different for children over 12. And that's paid weekly um, by Tusla um, directly to the foster parents and it's allowance that's deemed that the foster parent's not out of pocket by having yes. the child and it covers whatever the child needs um, 
yeah, there's that. Uh, children care have a medical card. We cover passports, um, pass, pa- the passport expense applications. Um, and there's many other services and disciplines and like psychology, speech and language and that that we can get the child into um, through uh, through our own services. What age are as, uh, our children fostered from at the, the youngest level and up to the oldest? What are you talking about in age? So we are like we're obviously we're two slip fostering and it's important to stress that we are the only national um, non-for-profit fostering agency. Um, we have statutory responsibility from children from not right up until 18 until their 18th birthday. OK, so Sometimes we have, you know, it's not it's not unheard of that we would have children from from those very early days. Um, uh, but children can come into care at any time yeah. and they can go home at any time. And that's important to stress as well. And I think it's also important to stress that some when I do the information nights, Jerry, and people come and understandably people say, you know, I don't know how I would let the child go. I don't know how I would you yes. know, let them go back to their parents and. I guess Orla is probably best to answer that. And, and But Orla and, and some of the other brilliant foster carers that we have that take the lead on that question for me would say that it's something to celebrate. While you might anticipate that it's a loss and it probably is, right? Very often, as Orla will attest to, you stay in contact with the yes. child and you're still a huge and part. And you've said that already, that that's been your experience too up to this. But you, you've got to understand that. that is, and I know people, that attachment thing, you know, who am I talking to? Look at this woman here. <laughs> yeah. 10 and counting and more and 11 and 12. Yeah. You, you know what we're talking about here. Yeah, you, absolutely. You've got to understand that. Yeah, people, I think that's, a, it's, it's a fear. That's the question. I People always say to me first, but how do you give them back? And I say, well, that's never really happened, to be honest. Um, the kids are just, you know, continuously a, an amazing part of your life. And even if they go somewhere else, that 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 doesn't have to be an end. And, and you know, you're not going to have a child where somebody's going to swoop in and go right and it's and gone and suddenly it's gone straight out the door. Not nothing would ever happen that quick in, mm. in life. Generally, you are going to be so prepared. You'll be part of the process of preparing that child for whether it's, you know, going on to college or back home for reunification, whatever that next step is for a child, you are a huge part of that. So you're going to be totally on board. You're going to be totally fine with it and you will be, you know, celebrating that next step in, in the child's journey. And it's always going to be something really positive. You've never had an issue with a child that didn't work out with you. Uh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Sometimes you're just in. Yeah, of course. Is, 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 yeah. There, is, is there surely there has to be that it's not a fit. It doesn't work. Sometimes it just doesn't work and it can just be the dynamics of the other kids that are in the house. Um, you know, the kid just doesn't settle with you, you know, and everyone will sit down and will everyone that's involved in, in that child's life will just uh, sit down, discuss what's the best option for that child. It may not. And then, you you know, you might be a bit a little bit sad in yourself. Go, oh, God, you know, or feel mm. like you failed and stuff like that. But you just have to realise the whole thing about fostering is you are there to provide love, care and security environment for as long as you're needed in that child's life. That can be a short bit of time or a really long bit of time. So that's, you know, that's how it works. And just to come in on the back of that, I guess when when we're when people are coming through the assessment process with us, we're very much listening to what the prospective foster parents say about what age profile they'd like, what they think would work in line with their own children, what they think that they could manage. And so when we are 
when we get a placement request for, for a child coming into care, we very much look at the profile of that child and we speak with the foster parent and say, listen, we have a child of this age. These are their needs. This is where they go to school. Yes. This is whatever. Do you think that this would work for you and your family? And we would help guide them with that. And so it's not just a case of where we're picking up the phone saying, listen, we're coming out and this is what's yes. happening. Yes. It's very much collaborative and we're looking at what would work for the family, for, for the other children in that family. If there's another, if there's birth children, if there's other foster children in the family, how that would, how would it all work? I want to go back to you, Orla, with regards to children with special needs. Yeah. Talk to me about that for a moment. Have you a child with special needs with you at the moment? I do, yes. Um, and she's been with me uh, for nearly seven years and that's been an amazing journey as well. That's been maybe the, the biggest, most life-changing journey of everything because it was a kind of a big adjustment um, to that. But honestly, the thing that has probably brought me and the rest of the kids in the house the most joy and, you know, there's a, it's when you have a, ch- a child with kind of, you know, higher higher needs, you just look at the world in a completely different way and it kind of simplifies everything down. It really, oh, that's been probably one of the biggest learning curves for us. I'm getting a message there. As a foster child, I'm very annoyed. You said give them back. I don't like that term, I'd say. that. Look, at the child goes back to the family. If you want us just to change the phraseology on that. But you get what we mean. And we didn't mean to insult anybody at all because it, it is, I know it's such a sensitive area for people involved, but they go back, don't they? That children go back they to their parents. Back, yeah. and, it's, it's not, yeah. and it's a great thing because yes. that's, that's, where, it's a positive that's where we thing. want them to yeah, be. Right? Ultimately, if ultimately. it can be, that's where we want yes, them to be. Yeah. For Thanks sure. for your message. Thanks for getting in touch with us. Um, in, look, today people hear Orla and what she says listen to what yourself. I have to ask all of this in terms of support from Tusla, what you've experienced over the 13 years. Mm. Very happy with it. Very happy. I've been very lucky. I have an amazing link worker and kind of your 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 lifeline into Tusla is your link worker. So every child will have their own foster care or sorry, a social worker attached to, to them to look after all their stuff. But as a foster parent, you're supported by your own link worker. So if anything comes up, you can pick up the phone straight to them and they've been very good. You know, they're back to you very quickly. Yes. You know, what do you need? And sometimes when I can't see what I need myself, my link worker was like, OK, Orla, I think <laughs> let's let's see what we can do here, you know, and the kids may need extra supports with different things. So, you know, they will be very good at, um, you know, getting different services involved to, to support you, you know, different therapeutic services or uh, anything that you may need. So, yeah, I'm I'm very lucky with my, <laughs> with my link worker. She's great. And, and may, she's been there a long time. So. May, may I say the children you fostered have been very lucky with you, Orla, because <laughs> they have a fantastic foster mom. I mean that sincerely. I just know I've always got it from you that you'd be somebody that, you know, you've a warmth about you, you've a yeah. care about you, a kindness. And, and back to what you said, you've received so much from this You've given it an awful lot, but you received an awful lot too. Yeah, I mean, what to say? No man or woman is an island, you know. Yeah. I, my, one of my phrases, it takes a village to raise a child. And absolutely, that goes goes doubly for when you're fostering because you will need, you know, the kids need the, the, all these different different things and different helpers, like, you know, even your your own family, you know. They're, they're not just in your home either. Of course. You know, they're part of your greater family yeah. as well. And I always say you don't, you know, you don't just 
foster a kid, you are you're fostering a family and the relationships I have with the Baird families it, it has actually been really, really great as well. So mm. um, you know, I've got good links in with them and that's important. It's important for the kids to see that mm-hmm. as well. I think it helps the whole situation mm-hmm. when you can you can have that. You it's know. a network. It's it a is. network and it involves so many strands to it as well. Um, Sandra, tell our listeners about, you know, you, you, we've been talking about this for the last while, but are you having an open evening? How can people get in touch with you? What's the story there? I'm sure you've rung a bell with somebody. I hope many Hopefully. people listening to us today. <laughs> Hopefully. So we have a 1800 number, Jerry, that people can ring. Um, it's one 800 226-771 that people can ring um, and they will get they, they can um, ask any questions that they want some people want to have a long conversation some people want to just ask one or two questions and go away and think about it um, but one of one of our colleagues our two fostering colleagues will get back to them we also have online information sessions um, we, we're kind of mostly doing them online now since um, since COVID and people find that's quite accessible you know you can log on from the comfort of your own home and, and get information you'll find the any information about them through the 1800 number or through fostering.ie and I guess it's important to stress that we are here to to talk about Tusla fostering and and when you're looking that up it's to to make sure that that's what you're looking for it's um, fostering.ie 1800 226 771 um, and just to jump in on the back of what Orla just said there like our foster parents would say that they get so much out of being a foster parent that their own children gain so much. It's for sure it's challenging. It's not it's not always a, a straightforward road, but there's a lot of supports there. Um, a lot of our foster parents would say that their own children are going to be foster parents when they grow up. It teaches them so much empathy, so much so much about the world that, you know, often nowadays it's hard for, yes. for us to teach our children that. Um, and that you really have the ability to change a life. You really have the ability to change somebody's life. Leave it with those words today. Let them <laughs> hang out there. Marvellous. Thank you both for joining me. Orla Crilly, I wish you well with all you do and all the wonderful care you've taken. So and the many. Malone Cup on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Not a chance. <laughs> and Sandra Minner, thank you both for joining me on the show today. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. Yes, my artist of the week this week is Miss Miley Cyrus and picking up her story from yesterday. I was telling you that uh, Disney called and she became Hannah Montana. Well, that would only last for a while and she was growing up and maturing and she was keen to portray that more mature image. That came through her third studio album, appropriately named Can't Be Tamed. It was more dance-oriented and featured pretty strong lyrical content which courted controversy. She was totally transforming now as albums 4, 5 and 6 followed in the same vein. She became a coach on The Voice USA and nailed down a regular slot on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, Jimmy absolutely loves her. The voice was maturing, the image was changing, she was growing up into her late teens, early 20s and uh, beyond. Yes, Hannah Montana left far behind at that stage. For today, the song I'm dipping into uh, is uh, from her seventh album. Uh, Plastic Hearts and a song released in 2020 which was a top five hit almost all over the world. Yes, here she is, my Artist of the Week, Miley Cyrus. 
and the wonderful Midnight Sky on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon on Miley Cyrus, my artist of the week on Late Lunch this week with Midnight Sky. Isn't she terrific? Oh, she's a real talent, that one. She really is. I'm delighted to feature her in Artist of the Week on Late Lunch. Thank you for your messages to the show. Um, Martin O'Hallon with us uh, at the beginning today. What a fantastic guy he is. Kevin's been on from Rathkenny to say, I want to wish Martin O'Halloran all the very best of luck. He does a massive amount of work for the GAA and Mead. He does indeed, Kevin, and thanks for uh, sending us in that message today. Frank's been on to say, I think it's completely wrong. Yes, the story is making the news headlines at the minute. There's a lot of debate about it. I think it's wrong, says Frank, that uh, our Taoiseach Leo Varadkar goes to New York for St. Patrick's Day. It's sending out the wrong message to the public. Joe Biden is supporting thousands of children being killed in Gaza, says Frank. And I'm sure there's a lot of people would hold that sentiment as well. Um, The... War is just horrendous. It is. The loss of life, the civilian casualties is just totally unacceptable. And as I said on this show many times, the attack by Hamas on innocent Israeli people is totally, totally wrong, unacceptable. Absolutely. But two wrongs don't make a right. And I know, I know what's happening is... Uh, trying to root out the terrorists and uh, annihilate them forever. Unfortunately, that won't happen. It just won't happen. Hamas won't be gone forever. That's the reality of the situation. You probably create more sympathisers all over because of this. And the world's in a precarious place because of it. But do you go to the White House with the shamrock or not go? Are you better being in the tent trying to influence from within rather than snubbing it? It would be a huge story. It would worldwide. But... In life's terms, I think you're better being in there and having the ear of Joe Biden and his people as well. Late lunch, LMFM radio, short break afterwards. What will the return scheme, the return scheme, the new scheme, what implications has it for publicans? Cindy Loper. And Carol's just want to have fun on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Apologies, we don't be seem to be able to raise our publican about the return scheme. Anyway, we'll come back to that and on on late lunch. Are you ready for this return scheme, folks? You know what it's all about? Yes, you know that from the 1st of February, which is Thursday, the cans and plastic bottles that carry the symbol, there's an extra 15 cent on uh, the smaller one and 25 cent on the larger one. And uh, we'll be paying that. We're all going to be paying that extra amount anyway. And you've got to return the bottles or the cans 
to these return machines and there's a whole list of them in your particular area but you've got to bring them to the machines put them into the machine and you'll get your refund and you can uh, take the refund in cash or you can spend the money in the particular shop that you go back to it now I'm a very good recycler I have to say at home in our house I really am I'm committed to it my bottles and my cans and my plastic as well I separate them all and I go myself to the recycle bins and sort them out uh, periodically mostly every couple of weeks and I'm committed to that that's going to change my plastic bottles uh, certainly and uh, the cans will not be going there now because I'll be paying the extra levy on them so I'll have to store them carefully you can't crush them some people crush the cans crush the plastic bottles no you can't you've got to keep them in one piece as they are store them your cans and your plastic bottles lids and all on they must be in good condition bring them back then put them in through the machine I suppose we'll get used to it because what I'll probably do is when I go for my I go shopping early on Saturday morning do my rounds of the the local shops my butcher the baker the candlestick maker etc and then I go to the supermarket you know I am a Tesco shopper and uh, have my club card etc there and I use the zapper as I was telling you earlier I'll be bringing Tesco will have the machine so what I'll do is I'll store my plastic bottles and cans and I'll bring them with me there and I'll put them through. But it's probably not as straightforward for a lot of people. The only thing I'll tell you about it is in Europe and where this system has come in, it certainly had an effect and it's reduced uh, the uh, littering with plastic bottles and cans as well, for sure. I'm I'm not 100% convinced about it myself, to be honest with you, because I don't ev- think everybody will commit to it. 15 cent in a bottle, will anyone care about it to claim the 15 cent I will and I'm sure there's lots of people out there but there's others won't but we'd have to give it a go and see what happens anyway this seems to be the way forward your glass is not affected the glass is different definitely different the glass is not affected at all but certainly your plastic bottles and cans are now let me just have a look at your messages before I leave you today on the show Um there's a message there from John to say, I'll be bringing my LMFM keep cup to the shop with me and transferring my can of mineral into it. Well done, John. Well done to you. And it's good that you have your uh, LMFM. And yes, I, I, I've mentioned the zappers already in the store. And uh, there's a story there. Is that story we're talking about? Yes, for the afternoon show. Let me read this for you. It's just come in to me. It says, um, I know your afternoon show stories are almost over, but you might like this one. I don't know who this comes from. Anyway, 25 years ago, I lived in London and I was on a night out. I met a Norwegian girl. We were both in our early 20s. So at the end of the night, we agreed we would meet the following Saturday at 3pm in Chinatown in central London. I know it well. I did didn't get a phone number from the girl as she was a nanny and didn't want to give the host family number out as she only met me. No mobiles those days. Anyway, I went to the meeting spot the following Saturday as arranged and waited three hours, but she never showed up. Ah, I thought, oh, well, anyway, two months later, I was in New York City and I was coming out of my hotel and I couldn't believe my eyes. There was the girl, that same girl, coming into the same hotel. She travelled to New York with her host family. She was still in Annie, you see, in London. So I asked her why she didn't show up on the date. And she explained that on the morning she was home alone, went out of the house to put rubbish in the bin and the door locked behind her. And she only had her pyjamas on and had to wait hours for the family to get home. So we hung out in New York together for three days. And can you believe on the way back to London... 
We were even on the same flight. We dated for eight years, Jerry. What a fantastic story. Thank you so much for sending it in to us today. I absolutely love it. It's a lovely moment rather than a hairy moment. I'd love to give you the prize, but I just can't for that one. It's under a different banner altogether. But thank you for taking time, putting it together and sending it in to us on Late Lunch today. Lovely way to finish the show. Eddie Capri's on his way with the drive here on LMFM Radio. We'll be back with your Late Lunch tomorrow at 1.30. Stay with us here for the evening. Take care. Have a nice Tuesday. See you then. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.